And good morning, everyone. Welcome to our services today as we talk about the spirit of Christmas. Let me tell you what this lesson is not about. It's not about the Christmas carol. It's not about Dickens. It's not about Christmas past, present, future. It's not about Ebenezer Scrooge. This lesson is about we Christians and what we are to be, not just a given time of the year, i.e. the Christmas season, but what we as Christians are to be about every day of our lives. That is, if we are truly children of God, if we truly wish to be Christ-like, would you join me in prayer, please? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we love you so very much. And Father, we thank you, Father, that you gave us your Son, your only begotten Son, Father, to suffer down the cross for our sins. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the blessings that are poured upon us each and every day. Father, we know that we were not deserving, but you saw value in us, and you gave your Son, who is of great value for us. And Heavenly Father, as we live throughout our lives, Father, not just this time of the year, but every day of our lives, may we be mindful of the blessings that you bestow upon us, Father, and may we live lives that are truly worthy in your sight, Father, to be called children of God. Heavenly Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Allow me to start this lesson out by saying... I do not advocate the concept that December 25th is the day that our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus was born. I want to give some facts to you today. Fact number one, it is not logical for him to have been born during that time uh, because it was the winter season and the shepherds were not out during that time. Fact number two, most scholars believe that he was either born around the Passover, which is our March or April, or in the fall around September. Fact number three, Christ's Mass. I did not say Christmas. I said Christ's Mass, which became our Christmas, did not become an official day of celebration on December 25th until 435 A.D. when the Roman Catholic Church uh, made it official. Fact number four, many other dates were considered. But there was a reason why December 25th was chosen. It was chosen because the Romans had been celebrating that day in honor of their son, God. And it was understood that it was much easier to change the flavor of the holiday rather than take it away. So what better way to replace the celebration of the son, God, with the celebration of the son of God? Now, the statements I've just made are factual. And they are true, yet many in the religious world would say, James, you just committed the unpardonable sin. James, you are guilty of blasphemy. Why? Because you're telling us Christ Jesus was not born on December 25th. Fact number five, the Bible does not tell us when Christ Jesus was born. Not at all. The Bible does not tell us that we are to have some special remembrance of some special celebration of his birth. Instead, what we find is this. The Bible tells us the focus is put on his death. And we are told to remember it every first day of the week, which we just finished doing this morning. 
But I want you to know this, though. I am very thankful. I am very thankful that our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus was born. I am very thankful for his birth because I'm thankful for anything that will make people or will cause people to think positively about him. But as a Christian, as a Christian, I do not celebrate Christmas as Christ Jesus' birthday. I do it for this. I like the idea of spending time with my family. I like the idea of exchanging gifts if we so choose to do it. And I love the idea of having a day off from my secular job. Now, with that said, I now focus on the wonderful Christmas spirit that many have around the Christmas season that we should have all year round. People have been conditioned to take on a a different attitude, if you will, during this time of the year. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to experience. And when talking about the spirit of Christmas, look at it like this. I'm thinking about a threefold process, a sixfold process, I should say. When talking about the spirit of Christmas, what are we talking about? We're talking about the spirit of giving. We're talking about the spirit of receiving. We're talking about the spirit of forgiveness. We're talking about the spirit of kindness. We're talking about the spirit of happiness. We're talking about the spirit of love. For instance, during this time of the year, people have a spirit of giving. Why? Why is that? Because it is, it is a time when we give and receive gifts. Now, gift giving is not always equal, and this can be disappointing to a young child. So what do we parents tell our children when they start, oh, this is not exactly what I expected here? We say that to them, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And these are the exact words of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Also during this time of the year, or this season, if you will, some churches prepare food baskets for the elderly and the poor. That was something we did yearly at the Nikiski Church of Christ. And uh, I'm talking to Brother Jerry Jones recently. We were passing out those baskets on Thursdays, those bags of food on Thursdays. That is something we will be bringing back here to this congregation as well. This is a great work, but we have to ask ourselves this question. Is the poor person going to be any hungrier on December 25th than they are on July 25th? And the answer is, of course not. The point that I'm making here is this right here. While there is nothing wrong with giving to the poor at Christmas time, this should not be the only time. It should not be the only time. As Christ Jesus said, the poor will be with us always. And so should this spirit of giving be with us always. And if you don't believe the poor can be are with us still, think about today what we see and go back 10 years ago if we were alive. The poor are still with us. Now, one of the major themes of the Bible is having a given spirit. We can certainly see that our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus had such a spirit, a given spirit. We look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse 9, hear what the word of God says. Again, I'm reading 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse 9. And the Bible reads, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, 
that you through his poverty might become rich. Christ Jesus, think about it a moment. Christ Jesus gave up heaven to live in this world. And why did he do that? For the sole purpose of giving up his life for you and for me. Why? So that we could become rich in his spiritual blessings. Christ Jesus was a giver his whole life. We as children of God, we who say we are Christians, we who say we want to be Christ-like, we should be givers as well. Another thing that happens to some Christians is that we get caught up in the Christmas game. And before we know it, we've spent all of our money on gifts for others, And we have nothing left for God. Now understand this, please. There's nothing wrong with having a given spirit. There is nothing wrong with buying gifts for loved ones or even buying a gift for yourself. But we must be careful that we don't take away from what we have set aside to give to God. Why? Because we don't want to hurt the work of the church by getting caught up in the Christmas game. Giving to God should not be what we have left over in our billfolds or or our purse. It should be something that we have set aside in our budget, just like we set aside funds for our house payment, we set aside funds for our car payments. It's no different. Listen to what Paul says. Paul talks to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 at verse 7. This is what Paul says. The Bible reads, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul is not finished yet. He talks to us also in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 at verse 2. 1 Corinthians 16 at verse 2 saying, and the Bible reads, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. When it comes to giving our money to the Lord, not only should we have the spirit of giving all year round, we should also have the spirit that we're going to not do it grudgingly. We're not going to do it uh, uh, of necessity, but we're going to be doing it cheerfully. So thus we have the spirit of giving as we talk about the spirit of Christmas. Another spirit of, of Christmas is the spirit of receiving. And this is very difficult for a lot of us. Receiving is very hard for us. We can give most of the time all day long, but when someone try to give to us, We kind of like want to back off from it. But just think back a moment. Think about when we were younger. There is something about receiving a wrapped present that makes you feel good inside. Just think about that for a moment. I can't remember when I was a child, right? How excited I was to open it up those. We weren't rich. We were definitely a broke family, okay? We weren't rich, but the, the present or the one or two presents that I got, I was thankful for receive them. And it was, I was happy to receive them and excited because there's something about that mystery finally being over and, 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 and there's something exciting, you know, about unwrapping those presents and the paper flying all over the place. Just think about that for a moment. Remember those days. It didn't matter if the gift was small or large. We were thankful. As Christians, 
we should have this same spirit of receiving every day of our lives. Why? Because every single day, we enjoy all the blessings that God provides to us through our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. We have received the grace of God and everything that goes along with it. So don't make the spirit of receiving a one-time-of-a-year thing. Instead, remind yourselves daily of the wonderful gifts that you are receiving from God. The spirit of Christmas. We have the spirit of giving. We have the spirit of receiving. Another spirit of Christmas is the spirit of forgiveness. During the Christmas season, people's hearts seem to be softer and more willing to forgive. There have been many people who have reconciled their differences during this time of the year. And many who do not allow arguments to escalate all because of the forgiving spirit of Christmas time. I want to share a story with you about this lady. She was leaving the mall. She had her arms full of bags. She had been shopping. And there was a gentleman who was trying to get in to do some shopping. And in the process, they bumped into each other. She fell. The bags went all over the place. And there were people watching like, oh, boy, she's going to be all over him now. So the man got up, helped her up helped her gather her bags, and to their surprise, the whole time, this lady was smiling. This most likely would not have been the case any other time of the year. But since it was Christmas time, the lady had a spirit of forgiveness. It is certainly wonderful to see how tolerable people are during the Christmas season. At the same time, it's sad because the spirit of forgiveness is gone after the season ends. Especially when you get into January, right? Christmas is over. Now it's time to figure out how we're going to pay off those credit card bills for all the stuff we bought. The next holiday is not into February. Now you're grumpy and you're ready to attack the first person to rub you the wrong way. Of course, this should not be the case for Christians. Why? Because we are taught very clearly that we are to have the spirit of forgiveness year-round. In fact, having a forgiven spirit is essential to being Christ-like. Did you know that Christ Jesus taught that forgiveness should come before worship? Did you know that? Well, look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 5 at verse 23, and hear what Christ Jesus says. There the text reads, Matthew 5 verse 23, the Bible reads there, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. Brethren, what this is teaching us is that If we have malice in our hearts toward brother or sister in Christ, actually toward anybody, then we cannot properly worship God. Why? Because our hearts are not right. We must understand that when we sin against each other, 
It's just like sinning against God. Sinning against Christ Jesus. Listen to something else that Christ Jesus says in Matthew 25 and verse 40. Matthew 25 and verse 40. The Bible there reads, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Also, we go into Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. Also, to show the seriousness of forgiveness, Christ Jesus says, Matthew 6 at verse 14, the Bible there reads, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We can certainly see here that there is an importance here. The importance of having a spirit of forgiveness, it is very important. Why? Because without it, we cannot be pleasing to God and our hearts will not be right for worship. In order for true forgiveness to occur when someone has sinned against you, repentance must be involved. Why? Because God does not ask you to do anything that he will not do. You turn to Luke chapter 17 at verse 3. Luke chapter 17 at verse 3. Hear what the word of God says here. In verse 5, verse 5 takes a little thinking about. Luke chapter 17 at verse 3. The Bible reads, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And this is difficult. And to show you how difficult it is, what did the apostle say to Christ Jesus? The apostle said to him, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, we do not have the faith to do what you're asking. We need our faith to be increased. Here Christ Jesus makes this clear, that if someone repents, that is, if they come to you and say, I am sorry for what I have done against you, it is your responsibility and your duty as a Christian to forgive them just as God forgives you when you repent of your sins. This is to be done every time. Christ Jesus points it out. Because of this statement, his apostles, as was read in verse 5, say, increase our faith. Increase our faith. We all know it's, it's hard to forgive someone who has wronged us. It is very hard. But we must be willing to have a forgiven spirit, to forgive that person no matter what they have done to us when they repent. Hebrews 8, verse 12. Hebrews 8, verse 12. We also have to remember that when God forgives, he also forgets. I remember recently sitting in a high school class and a question was asked, 
How often does God forgive us? And there's another part of the question that wasn't asked is that why can he do this or how can he do this? Because you see, God has a tendency of doing something we human beings don't do. When we come to God in repentance and ask for forgiveness and God forgives us, God forgets. So that the next time we come back, God is not saying, oh, you're back again. God is not saying, remember back in 19 and he's not saying that. It's as if we are coming the first time again. He forgives and he forgets. Hebrews 8 at verse 12, the Bible reads, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. The hardest thing every Christian must learn to do is to completely completely forgive by trying to put out of their minds the sin that the other person perpetrated against them. I need you to think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment. When a man but half forgives his enemy, it's like leaving a bag of rusty nails to interpose between them. Humanity Humanity is never so beautiful as when praying for forgiveness. Humanity is never so beautiful as forgiving another. Could you imagine? Could you imagine God only forgiving you halfway? Of course not. Of course not. We must strive to follow Christ Jesus' example and forgive others completely all year round. The spirit of Christmas. Within it, we have the spirit of giving, the spirit of receiving, the spirit of forgiveness. Another spirit of Christmas is kindness. Wherever you go during the Christmas season, for the most part, people are more considerate of others. You will see more people smiling at you. You will see more people holding the door open for you. You will see more people speaking kindly to you. Again, this is a, this is a, a wonderful spirit to have, but for most, it only lasts during the Christmas season. But here's that word but again. But for the Christian, we should always try to make the spirit of kindness part of our everyday lives. Notice what the writer of Proverbs says. We're going to Proverbs 31 at verse 26. Notice what the writer of Proverbs says about the righteous woman. At Proverbs 31 at verse 26. The Bible reads, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. This is the characteristic that every Christian should learn to obtain. Why? Because when our tongue has the law of kindness on it, you will be considerate of others. This is one of the best ways to show the love of Christ Jesus dwelling in you, dwelling in us. Kindness is very powerful. Kindness is very powerful in that it shows what you are made of and it also shows others that you care. This is why Paul told the church at Colossae to put on kindness 
and humbleness of mind. We read about that in Colossians 3 at verse 12. We're going to read it in a little bit, but not right now. we got a while before we get there. And also why Peter, as Second Peter 1, states that kindness is one of those Christian virtues that makes a faithful Christian have the confidence of going to heaven. Kindness is powerful, but kindness doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything at all, but it's powerful. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't mean it's free. It just means it doesn't cost anything. But it is an act that can accomplish great things. So don't forget to have the spirit of kindness all year round. The spirit of Christmas. We have the spirit of giving, the spirit of receiving, the spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of kindness. Another spirit of Christmas, for most, is the spirit of happiness. Most people tend to be a little bit happier during the Christmas season. Why is that? Because of the upbeat attitude that, that most have and because we get to spend more time with our loved ones. While this is a great spirit to have, again, it should be one that we as Christians have year-round. At Proverbs, we're still there, Proverbs 16 and verse 20. Proverbs 16 and verse 20, the Bible reads, He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord Happy is he. Now, now, this is not what I'm saying. Make sure you understand this. I am not suggesting that Christians are to be going around smiling 24-7. Why is that? Because we all experience different emotions that humans have in regard to frustration, in regards to the loss of loved ones. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. But overall... Even in difficult situations, we can still find a spirit of happiness. Why? Because we trust in the Lord. Why? Because we know that he is always there for us. We look at Hebrews 13 and verse 5. The Bible reads to us, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, check that out. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So we may boldly say, I will not fear. So that we may boldly say, what can man do to me? As Christians, we have every reason to have the spirit of happiness all year round. Are we feeling it? Are we feeling it? Finally, the last spirit of Christmas, which binds all the others together, is the spirit of love. Colossians chapter 3 at verse 12. I told you we were going to get there. We're there now. Hear what Paul teaches us in Colossians 3 at verse 12. The Bible there reads, again, Colossians 3 verse 12. The Bible reads, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness. 
Put on long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do also. Above all of these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Without love, all of the facets of the spirit of Christmas we've talked about thus far, the spirit of giving, the spirit of receiving, the spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of kindness, the spirit of happiness, without the spirit of love, they would not happen because love binds them all together. Colossians, um, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3. Here, when we look at that text, what we see is the greatest definition of love that we can find. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3. The Bible reads, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Now we know all of those things that love does not to do. Listen to what God tells us that love does do. He says, love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And then he closes up by saying, love never fails. Love never fails. This plainly shows us that that we must have the spirit of love all year round. And one of the major themes of the Bible is loving one another as God has loved us. There is no greater example of what love is about than what God did for us when we did not deserve it. When we did not deserve it, what did God do for us? The Bible tells us God gave us Christ Jesus, his only begotten son. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, the gift from God that keeps on giving and giving and giving. And what he gives us is eternal life. Amen? God gave us his only begotten son, knowing the hardships that he would have to face and suffer on that cruel cross for you and me. That is our great example. And we must learn to have love for one another every day of our life, every day of the year. I hope this lesson has shown you that there are certainly some wonderful qualities about the Christmas season and how it brings out the spirit of giving, the spirit of receiving, the spirit of forgiving, the spirit of kindness, 
the spirit of happiness and the spirit of love. But these things should not just happen one time a year. Not for the Christian. Instead, the spirit of Christmas should be with us throughout the whole year and throughout our whole lives. One of the spirits of Christmas that I mentioned in this lesson is the spirit of receiving. And one of the greatest gifts that you could receive this morning is the forgiveness of your sins. The word is indeed yours. In the word of God, we are told this, we must have faith. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. In faith, how do we get it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must believe this word. We must be able in faith and belief to look at this word and look at our lives. And we, we, when we see what we're looking at in this mirror does not reflect what God will have it reflect, we need to understand we need to repent. We need to understand the confession of Christ Jesus, yes, is with our mouth, but it's also in our lifestyles as well. But we also need to understand in order to be reconciled to God, we must be united first with Christ Jesus in the waters of baptism. What happens there? Our old sinful self dies. We're washed clean of our sins. We're resurrected in newness of life and we're clothed in Christ Jesus. And now we can be reconciled unto God because now God can look upon us. And, you know, Christ Jesus knows what it feels like for God not to look upon him. When he hung up on that cross and he was filled with, loaded with all of our sins and God could not look upon him, what did he do? He cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatana, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? The word tells us in faithful and obedient living every day of our lives, we must have a given spirit, a receiving spirit, a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of kindness, a spirit of happiness, and a spirit of love. The word is yours. If there are any needs, please make them known by coming forth as we stand and sing. Just without one plea, but